I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a first-time reader go through each of the 14 books in the series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you have not read Robert Jordan's Lord of Chaos, please proceed with caution. Sidene, the sense of it, faded from Taim, and for the first time, Rand realized that he himself was filled with the male half of the source. A raging flood, every thread he could pull through the angry owl in his pocket. Kill him, Luz Theron muttered. Kill him now. For a moment, shock gripped Rand. The emptiness surrounding him wavered. Sidene raged and swelled, and he barely released the power before it could crush the void and him both. Had he seized the source, or had Luz Theron? On this episode of Not the Beginning, we're talking about chapters 1 through 5 of The Lord of Chaos. Note, I have not read past chapter 5. And I'm going to try not to talk about the rest of The Lord of Chaos, or the other 8 books. So as long as you've read through chapter 5, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Unless you're okay with spoilers. Chapter summaries, as always, from DragonMount.com. Rand Althor occupies the royal palace in Cainland. The Andoran nobles attempt to curry favor. Lord Davram Bashir of Saldea provides Rand with candor and a reality check. He needs the help of the Aes Sedai. They are interrupted by the announcement that Mazrum Taim, the escaped false dragon, is at the gates. Facing Mazrum Taim, the voice of Luz Theron in Randall Thor's head begins raving about the Forsaken. Taim submits to Rand's authority as the dragon reborn and offers to test and train other men to channel the One Power. Taim presents Rand with a token of trust, one of the seals on the Dark One's prison. Randall Thor takes Mazrum Taim to a farm outside Camelin, where men have come in answer to Rand's amnesty. Taim begins testing the men, and Rand tells him to watch for men who learn too quickly, as the Forsaken may try to slip in among his students. Rand travels to a military camp outside of Tyr, where he learns that some of the Tyrant High Lords have turned traitor and are hiding in Haddon Mark. With his Aiel and the remaining Tyrant Lords, Rand discusses the plan to march against Ilion and Samael. In the town of Mayron, Matrim Cawthon and the Band of the Red Hand make themselves conspicuous, trying to hold Samael's attention with their approaching army. Matt rescues a boy named Oliver from an abusive hunter for the horn. At first light, Matt leads the band on a seemingly hurried march toward Dalian. Okay. It's the beginning of a book. Yep. After a really long prologue, we finally get some chapters. Yeah, and... For a book that has a prologue with like eight or nine points of view, we get Rand and a little bit of Matt and no one else. Yeah. Rand is in some trouble. Not like actively in trouble in this section, but like mentally he's not okay. Yeah, he's a little crazy. He is. It it was started in the end of book five a little bit, but he's full on hearing voices now. Or voice? Yeah, he's hearing one voice, and it's Luz Theron. And I think I've landed on the voice is him going crazy, but the memories are real. Okay. Because they're accurate. So where as else did they... As far as we know... Like, all the stuff about the Forsaken, all of, like, the history stuff, people are like, how did you know that? Yeah. And it's accurate information. Is it? Is it accurate information? Because nobody else knows it. They're just asking him how he knows. Moraine... Knew some of that information and he spouted off. That's true. And so that lends me to believe that most, like most of it, if not all of it, is true. Mm -hmm. If Moraine confirmed some of it. Okay. Like, because it would just be very hard narratively to explain, like, okay, some of it was actually Luz there in memories, some of it was not Luz there in memories, and he's just crazy. And some of the voices are real. 
or some of the voices actually lose there and stuck in his head and some of it's him crazy. That would just be too confusing to So you think if explain. there if there is a split and you're saying there is a split. I think there is a split. The memories are real, the voice is fake. Yeah. I think Okay. Cuz like which is where it gets in weird because like it especially the parts of his voice that are like kill Taim and like stuff like that just sounds like the ravings of a madman. Yeah, so a lot of this section is Rand and Taim meeting for the first time. Yeah. And basically the whole time, the voice of Luz Theron in Rand's head is like, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. And Rand in his head is just like, what is going on? Yeah. Why is this happening? Until it gets to a point like right after Rand and Taim essentially get into a dick measuring contest with the power. Yeah, basically. Rand like actually tells Luz Theron to shut up. And he does. Yes, but if you're hearing voices and you tell the voice to shut up, it might shut up. Maybe. That's really not not any point towards or against it being just a voice. Just a, a commentary on what happened in the moment. Yeah. I'm leaning towards the memories are real because he is a reincarnation. Yeah, It's that's a little true. bit like Matt's situation. Yeah. Matt's is obviously random people shoved in. But... And with a different mechanism, because the Finn, the... I think they're the Elfin, whichever, the foxes. No, it was the snakes who give gifts. Whichever of them, I don't... I get them confused. They took those memories from people who went to them. Sure. Right? It's not just like souls of people have been shoved into Matt. It's like... It's actually just the memories, not... People's souls are yeah. riding around piggyback on Matt. So I think that, like, because he's a reincarnation, that the memories are real. It's just the voice. At least when the voice is being all crazy. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Either way, does not like Mazram Taim. No. Who is a little sketchy. I mean, I get it. He's a man who can channel and he was pretending to be the dragon. That's very true. He's not a good person. No. He was pretending to be the dragon, although his logic for pretending to be the dragon wasn't that bad. What was his logic? Somebody had to be. I could channel. Why not me? And I think Rand was basically just like, you weren't born on the hills of Dragon Mount. And he's like, yeah, but like, there are so many prophecies. If I did even one of them, history would make it so. Yeah. History would say I was born on the slopes of Dragon Mount, even though that's not really how it works in the Wheel of Time. No. I mean, it is how rumors work in the Wheel of Time. But but that's not how prophecies seem to work. It kind of seems like an all or nothing kind of thing. Right. Even if it's like open to interpretation. At least like the born on the hills of Dragon Mount seems to be like the important prophecy. That's definitely an important one. Because that one you can't seek out to do. Right. Some of the prophecies like... You could attempt to fulfill them by your own choice. Being born somewhere, you have no choice in that. I mean, I guess technically you do if you decide you want to be early and then you make your mom go into labor and like whatnot. I guess. But you would think of all the prophecies to like try to fulfill, you'd think people would go for the one about the herons and the dragons. Because you can easily just get some tattoos and like. Right. And it doesn't say you have to be branded with herons. Like Rand was, but like, you can just get tattoos and they can be anywhere. Yeah. Like they're on Rand's palms, but. They could be on the back of your hands. Yeah. 
I, I don't think the prophecy mentions dragons specifically. It just, it's like twice and twice shall he be marked wants to name him and wants to like set him true. I don't remember the exact wording, but it's saying he's marked twice, twice. Yeah. He's got two herons and two, two dragons. Yeah. Could have been anything. Could have been. I think the herons are the only one that I think the herons are explicitly said. I don't remember the prophecies of the dragon well enough. What kind of wheel of time fan am I? Right. Can't quote them verbatim. Get it together. I know. Anyway, Taim shows up after a little bit of stuff because we, we come in on Rand who is, Fighting five people with practice swords. Yep. And a bunch of nobles are watching. He doesn't like the nobles. No. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. He's fighting a bunch of people. Bashir later is like, what the fuck is the point? Right. It's like, you're just going to get hurt. hurt. This doesn't even help you at all. Like, what is the point of this? Right. And then tries to stab Rand. Like, well, he throws a knife at him. Yeah. And it's so funny because he's just like casually throw like he's like laying in a chair. He's got like his leg thrown over the arm and just like casually throws a knife at Rand. Right. And everyone like all the maidens veil themselves. He stops the knife with the power and he's just but Bashir's just still chilling. Yep. Which like Fayil starting to make a whole lot more sense. Oh, yeah. She gets a lot more clear in this book when we spend some time with Davram Bashir. Yeah. Because the dude's got balls. Yep. Just casually throwing a knife at the Dragon Reborn. You know. And being like, why on earth are you sword fighting? You can channel. Yeah, like, why do you need to practice sword fighting against five people when you could just, like, channel a shit ton of lightning and knock out an entire crowd of people, you know, like you did when you killed... What's his face? Robin. Yeah, Robin. Yeah. Very good question. One that I think a lot of people who aren't the Maidens are thinking to themselves. I think even the Maidens are wondering because he's using a sword and they don't like that. They just don't like that he's using a sword. They would be totally okay with it if he was using a spear or if he was just fighting with his hands. That's true. They'd be like, yeah, you need to practice. Do we get an answer about why he's trying to fight five people it's at once? Is he just trying like to exhaust explicitly, himself? Like, it's like a discipline thing. I guess part of it is like, he does mention Lan. Yeah. Now that Lan's not there anymore. Right, there's nobody he can practice with who like approximates Lan's skill. So he just keeps throwing more people and hoping. Right. And like he <laughs> almost beats them. And even even Rand recognizes that five men do not equal Lan. Right, because no, no, they don't. No one equals land. They do, like, obviously it's sparring, and so they're not actually dying, but, like, they're, like, throwing away their lives to get a hit on Rand. Yeah. Like, clearly Rand is a pretty good swordsman now. He is a master swordsman or whatever. He is a blade master. He is a blade master. He killed a blade master. He doesn't think he's a blade master. Well, I, imposter syndrome. Land acknowledges his skill, though, which says something. <laughs> If if Lan at all knew what happened, he would have done whatever thing you need to do to acknowledge someone as a blade master. Maybe been like he would be like constantly telling Rand like, "No, dude, you're a blade master. You killed one." But he doesn't know that happened. The only person who knows it happened is Rand. Mm, yeah, and no other people know. No, it's just not the most important thing that happened that day. I don't think, and no one was in the room. Yeah, but Rand has talked about it. 
with Lan, I think. No. I don't think he has. Or else or else there would have been like a yeah. wait, he was a blade master. That means you're a blade master. Yeah, but Lan doesn't really give a shit about blade master. Lan does not carry a heron marked blade. No, but he is a blade master. You don't one does not equal the other. That's his whole point, is one doesn't equal the other. Right. He would place more importance on killing on being a blade master than be, having a hair marked blade. That he Yeah. Like, so if he knew that someone he taught was a blade master, Land would acknowledge that at least. But Land doesn't know. Because of course <laughs> of course Land doesn't know. It was not the most important thing to happen that day. Also, Rand has imposter syndrome. Rand doesn't have imposter syndrome. He knows he's the dragon. Yeah. You can have imposter syndrome the, for some things and not for others. Yeah, but it's just the other thing that he did that day was fight what he thought was the dark one. And also the horn of Valir got blown. He's still a blade master he and he refuses inside. to he refuses to acknowledge that because that is something that doesn't have to do with him being the dragon reborn. That is just a thing yeah, he learned maybe. on his own. Yeah. He could have done that. He could have learned all the stuff he learned from Lan without being the dragon reborn. And he refuses to acknowledge that. Could he have? I think so. He's still Tam's son. That's true. Could he be as good of a swordsman as he is without the one power, though? I think he still could be. Because Tam taught him the void, or, like, the flame and the void. Is that? Yeah. And so, like, he grew up with that. Yeah. And so I think he could still get to that place of calm. He might not have been able to beat that blade master that day without the one power because he did kind of use the one power as a little boost but i think if he continued he would eventually become a blade master he might have just not accelerated a timeline yeah but if he wasn't the dragon reborn he wouldn't be able to channel and so therefore he could have the lifespan in order to be able to get that good i think part of why he became that good that early well, there's something, there's he's clearly die something early. about the one power that, like, gives you an edge in sensing things. Rand and the girls describe holding the one power as being a, like, enhancing their senses. They feel more alive, smells, are, smells and colors are more vivid, everything is sharper. And that has to matter when you're doing, like, high-level swordsmanship. Possibly, but... Going even further, say it was one of the other boys that was the Dragon Reborn, and it wasn't Rand. Mm-hmm. Elaine would make him one of her warders, and would he get the same, would he get some sort of advantage? We don't really know, because we haven't gotten Land's point of view, we don't really know what that bond gave him advantage-wise. We, not just, ex- saw, not, yeah. we just saw the effects of him being able to kind of not even look and know that there's darks yeah, things so behind the, him. Yeah, so the bond... We do know what the bond gives, at least. We just don't get a description of how it feels, yeah. like we do with everyone who can channel. Yeah, it it definitely, there is some assistance that the bond would give you in terms of being a swordsman. So if he was a warder and had about 50 more years to hone his skill, that he would possibly, that he probably won't have because he's a man who can channel, So he's and he's the dragon reborn, so he's gonna die. Yeah. Or go crazy before that can happen. But if he's, if like he couldn't channel and got to live his life, you know, however With he was. With a reason going, to use a sword, because Shepard Rand would never be a blade master. No, but I mean, he possibly would still be Taviran. Say it was Matt who was the dragon reborn instead of Rand. 
Fair. And so Rand was still swept up in this thing, but just couldn't channel. Yeah. His life would look very different, and I think he would still be a Bladebuster. That's fair. Eventually. It mm. wouldn't happen as quickly. I, I mean... Or maybe it would, because Taviran. In these scenarios, he probably actually would be kind of like Matt and not use a sword at all, but instead use something more akin to a quarterstaff. That's kind of what they use in the Two Rivers. That and bows. Except Tam still would have given him a sword. He still would have used his dad's sword. Yes, except in this scenario, we're really going to the what ifs here. In this scenario, there's no way Tam is his father. There's no way, because Tam is the Dragon Reborn's father, not Ran's father. Okay, if you really want to get that technical, (laughs) we're just, we're not talking full on AU in which Matt is the dragon. And I don't know why I picked Matt, I just did. I guess because he's the other POV in this section. We're just talking like one little minor thing changes to switch it. Yeah, that's the whole the whole point of the Wheel of Time is that it's the little things. <laughs> because it's you can't you can't make Matt the Dragon Reborn without having Matt be born on Dragon Mount. That's that was Rand's whole thing with Mazarin Time. Is that's one prophecy you can't fulfill on your own. You have no I say. don't think. Okay, so in this world, Tam is Matt's dad. Yeah. I think personality-wise Matt still wouldn't really want to use a sword. He'd be like, no, I was good at using a quarterstaff. This is what I'm going to do. Thanks for the sword, Dad, but I'm going to do this thing. Potentially. But then Rand has no reason to learn or no way to learn. Okay, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You can tell I don't have a whole lot to say about this section. It just kind of stuff happens. Stuff happens. I didn't even... We get introduced to the farm. That's a big thing that happens. Let's talk about the farm. Yeah. the, The farm is where it kind of stopped... Like, after the farm is where I stopped understanding what was happening. Because there okay. was a big whole political thing. Yeah, the stuff in the tent in Tear was dense. Yeah, and I, d- I can't parse out fantasy politics. Like, That's fair. It's, it's, I, I have a hard time with it. Yeah, and this book is... This book is... I said this at the beginning. This book is a lot more political. But it gets easier to follow. Part of what I think makes it difficult to follow in this one is... This is the this is the first time it's gotten this political, really. We got a taste of it in book four with all the Tyrant High Lords, and now they're back, but also there's Kyrian and Camelin to worry about, and the realities of Rand being in charge are starting to hit. Yeah, I think it just like I kinda need the Spark Notes version and That's fair, I guess. Uh Robert Jordan isn't He is not a he, he does not do that. He does not quickly sum things up. Even when he goes into his, like, oh, it's the beginning of a book, so I'm going to kind of summarize what happened last time. It's a three-hour prologue. Yes. He's uh, long-winded. That's very true, and that is something I like about him that not uh, not everybody does. Some of the time, like, I like his descriptions. I like all the character stuff. But sometimes with the plot, it's like, just tell me what <laughs> happened. Yeah. Tell me. Just just say it. Yeah, although there is a difference. So in that section, and we'll come back to the farm, because the farm is the most interesting bit of this section. Um, but we'll we'll deal with the Tyrant High Lords first. In that section, yes, it could have been shorter. It could have been, hey, some Tyrant High Lords defected and they went to Haddenmerk with some Kyrianan defectors and they're planning a coup or something. Like, yeah, you could have he could have been a lot 
shorter winded. Even if, like, if some, if one of the people had just said that as dialogue, it's like, hey, you're you you're a busy man. You don't have time to sit and have me explain for five pages what happened. So here's the Sparknotes version, and then have Rand go, okay, I need more information. Maybe I it, just. I just, I just don't think that would be as good. It would I'm be not, shorter. I'm not saying it would necessarily be good. I would just, <laughs> I'm just saying it would make me actually understand what happened. That's fair. I don't, I, I'm probably going to need, like, if it continues to get more political, I'm going to be, I'm going to struggle. It gets easier. So one of the things that I think makes it a little difficult to follow at first is you're kind of thrown into the politics here. And there's like names and allegiances and countries all getting thrown around and you don't really have your bearings yet. So it can be hard to follow. Like, who's Torum Riotin? I know who it is. That was a name? Yeah. It's a Kyrian noble guy. Sure. He was... Yeah, so he he thinks he should be like in charge of Kyrian. He should be king of Kyrian. Rand hasn't claimed the throne of Kyrian or of Andor. And so... They kind of see it as an opening, and then some of the Tyran High Lords who they were talking about not getting along with Rand in Book 4 have joined with these Kyrianan rebels, and now they're all at a place called Haddenmerk. Okay. It gets easier to follow when, like, the names start to be more consistent, and they come back up. Maybe. Yeah. Or I'm just fantasy politics dumb, which is possible and would be valid. There's also an element of it kind of not mattering. I think that's also my struggle. It's it's hard to follow, and I don't care because it's not written in a way that's like, you should care about this. Rand is more tired of it than caring about it. Like, he doesn't want to be in charge of these countries. Yeah. And he, he would prefer that they all follow him, but he also just wants them all to be united because, you know... There's kind of this thing called the last battle coming up. And he doesn't even want them to be united for political reasons. He literally just doesn't want other... He's like, we can't be fighting each other if we're going to be fighting evil. Right. That's literally all he cares about. Right. There is a huge army of Trollocs and Dreadlords that we're going to have to fight. And we can't do that if we're fighting each other. Yeah. And so... I think we've And we've kind of gone over this several times in our discussions that... Robert Jordan's effective at making you kind of feel what the person narrating is feeling. Yeah. So since Rand doesn't care, I don't care. Yeah. And that's totally fair. There are political sections later on where it does make sense. And the nobility politics is less interesting than the, like, tower politics. I kind of found, like, the section... With Bashir and, like, all the people, like, fawning over Rand after he was fighting to be more interesting than all of this tent battle politics. Yes. I kind of am just, like, I don't care. You're fighting over dumb reasons. Why does it matter who's in charge? Well, Just yeah. stop measuring your dicks and <laughs> get over it. Yeah. I mean, Rand kind of feels that way, too. Well, and, it, like, I don't know if it's just this whole, like... I feel that way in most war politics type things. I felt like that about Game of Thrones. I feel like that when I read about, like, the Hundred Years War, like the War of the Roses and all of these things. I'm just like, this isn't, this is a giant dick measuring contest. That's literally all this is. Except in, in this case, one party just is not, like, Rand is not participating in it. 
when it comes to politics. When it comes to strengthen the one power, he definitely is. But, but only really with Taim, he doesn't seem to care. And also because, like, literally nobody's more He's not participating in this dick measuring contest against the Tyrian nobles and the Kyrian nobles. But they're measuring their dicks against him. Yes, definitely. And so literally all, all it's coming down to is a bunch of self-conscious men trying to get power. And this is why there is a queen of Andor. Slight correction. Some of the tyrants who defected were high ladies, not just men. Same with the Kyrian. There's definitely a faction of Kyrian and noble women who are opposing him. I mean, when you're surrounded by a bunch of men who are measuring their dicks, you might as well attempt to throw yourself in the ring and measure too. That's fair, I guess. In It's really more about the great game, the game of houses. I also don't, else. I have never cared about that. That's fair. I mean, we all know why I'm here. Lan. Yeah. Igloo sex. Uh-huh. Matt flirting with random women. Yes. And the maidens. Yeah. That's Perrin and Fael. Yeah, that's fair. These are the reasons I'm here. It's yeah. not... It's not, it's not politics. politics. <laughs> that's It's fair. the comedy and the romance. That's fair. You're gonna find the slog. I don't know how you're gonna find the slog. It starts in the next book. Wonderful. And it it's not over for four? Book nine has some interesting stuff. And they're not, like, bad. And part of the slog was really the distance between the books. Like, you would get done with one, and it would, like, not really move the plot along. And then there would be, like, another couple of years for the next you, one. Were you starting to read them as they came out? Eventually, yeah. I caught up with book 10, and then I had to wait for, not, or for 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay. And uh, let me tell you. Book 10's the worst. <laughs> I've told you before, and I'll tell you again. Not a whole lot happens in book 10. Maybe not a lot happens for you who cares about the politics and the games of houses and whatnot. Maybe all of the stuff that you might as... Well, you what, you were reading this series when you were like eight. An eight-year-old Will would not have cared about how hot Lan is. No. Or how Matt flirted with a bunch of girls. Or how the maidens were trying to, uh, like, matchmake between Rand and Avienda. Eight-year-old Will would not have picked up on any of that. That's 30 30-year-old Dallas. Yeah, there's probably some stuff in there that I did not care for, and probably still don't care for, that you might. But, oh boy. So what you're saying is, is that I better find some sort of equally tedious for you romance novel to read after that one. Please, no. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want it. In terms of the things I'm here for, two of them happen in this section. Matt flirts with with some people. Yes. And the maidens are funny. Yes. And you know who's not funny? Rand. (laughs) We do get a section, and and we'll we'll get back to the farm, because plot-relevant stuff happens at the farm, and not a whole bunch of plot-relevant happens. Actually... Very plot relevant, but secretive stuff happens in in the tent and with Matt. I mean, we talked about the tent. They make plans. Well, they're they're making plans. Mostly we talked about how there are rebels. We did not talk about what they are in the tent for, which is to do war. They want to do a war against Ilian and Samael. But at the end of the section, Rand's like, it's a joke. Ha ha. He's not. I don't think he knows what a joke is. It's a good thing he's pretty because he's not funny. Yeah, right before they get into the tent, the maidens get into this, like, insult battle 
with a Thunderwalker. Yeah, there. I think the Aiel humor is basically like a Comedy Central roast. All a the little time. bit, yeah. It's like they're roasting each other, but with love. Yeah, because they're they're like or like not love, but respect. Yeah, the maidens are like, yeah, we'll hear a Thunderwalker wherever because they're super fucking loud. And then the fucking Thunderwalker goes back to them and says, do you know, he asks, do you know why maidens invented hand talk? It's because even when they're not talking, they can't stop talking. <laughs> we had to pause the audio book. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, do, do they have a death wish? Yup. But and then Rand tries to tell a joke because the maidens are like, Rand, you don't have a sense of humor. And What's he's wrong like, with you? and he's kind of just like, all right, fine. And then he just, like, tells this joke. And, like, we listened to it twice. And I yeah. don't get it. It's not a good There's joke. There's no punchline. The punchline... So the joke is about this farmer going up in a tree to catch a chicken. And then the chicken jumps out of the tree. And he, the guy falls out of a tree, but his friend is there. His not friend. His That's not the friend. whole point. That's true. And, and he, like... <laughs> It's hard to explain because it's so bad. I think it was something because like we had to look up. Yeah, we, we looked look it up, up, and the consensus was it's not funny. <laughs> and <laughs> thanks, Reddit. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, and the the joke is basically that he just passed the guy when he fell out of the tree, and the guy didn't even say hello. It's like someone comes up to the guy who was just standing there as the other guy fell out of the tree. And was like, why didn't you help him? It's like. I passed him and he didn't even say hi, so why should I help him? And right. passing him was him falling out of the tree. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not a good joke. Rand. It's a, it's a good thing he's pretty. It's a good thing he's pretty. And I guess good at the sex. Yeah. Or uh, at least I the guess, igloo sex. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a good kisser, too, if Elaine's deep feelings for him. Or maybe he's not and it's just all Tavirin-ness. The pattern demands more Rand. I guess. Oh, uh, well, I mean, he does. There are prophecies about him with three women at the end. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's. Well, he has three women. We already know who the three women are. Yeah. So, like, doesn't matter. He could be really awful at all things courtship. I, for the sake of Avienda, Elaine, and Min, hope that he's good at the sex. Well, I mean, maybe the pattern makes him good at it. Because, like, it would be. Really, really sad for them if they were tied to him because of the pattern <laughs> and, like, he doesn't know where Tarvalin is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to know where Tarvalin is. It's North Harbor that's the tricky one. <laughs> Some people don't even know where Tarvalin is. That's fair. And it's not like North Harbor's that difficult to find anyway. It's just right up north. <laughs> um, like, I, I think... I hope for their sake that he knows where North Harbor is. But yes, confirmed here, the pattern makes Rand fuck. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. And like with swordsmanship of a different kind, being able to touch the one power probably makes you pretty good. Yeah, I mean, if you're able to have, like, deeper senses into the surroundings, yeah. like, you're able to no, better you, pick up on, like, small changes in breathing or... Not to uh, weave a pattern, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway... Aiel humor is basically just savage the whole time. And it's actually funny. Yeah. You know who's not Rand? <laughs> Rand is not amused. Or not amusing. He's also not amused. No, because he doesn't understand their humor. 
I don't get how he doesn't understand their humor. It's just savagery. Right. And he's friends with Matt, who can be savage. Yeah, and, like, Rand has had his moments of savagery, too. I I think... Rand is too earnest. He is. He's He's trying not to be... He's kind of, like, Golden Retriever. He's got got Golden Retriever energy. Yeah, a little bit. He's not, like cinnamon rolly but he's like and he's not full golden retriever like matt is matt's well like full-on golden retriever is he I, a little bit in in the way that that term is often a, used in a romance that's fair description. i guess I've, I've not really encountered that term before in the romance context it's kind of like the like golden retriever gamer boyfriend stereotype that uh, would that's okay kind of, it, matt's got that energy a little bit he's got too much buy energy though that doesn't negate it doesn't negate it it doesn't negate it but i don't know he's too he's too playboy because he was a little playboy with the barmaid a little bit like he's not a dick no like he's not gonna play her but he also he's got he has a short attention span he's too much of a man slut (laughs) to be a golden retriever I think that's the ADHD. It might <laughs> he be. just has a really bad attention span. Yeah, maybe. Which works because he's not often in town long enough, so. That's true. Big sailor energy there. Yeah. He, <laughs> in the modern world, would absolutely be the person who forgets to text you back. Yeah. Because, and which is to- Which is kind of funny because if he really needed to text you, he could just hit random buttons in his phone and type out your number. Yeah. But, like, he absolutely does not remember to charge his phone and forgets to text you. he It's not that he is ignoring you after your date. He simply forgot to no, text he doesn't, you. No, he doesn't forget to charge his phone. We're going down a lot of rabbit holes because really not a ton happens in this section. He's Matt doesn't forget to charge his phone. He just forgets his charger. And why would he when there's always one conveniently placed wherever he is? That's true. Partially at this point because the band of the Red Hand is just taking charges wherever they go for Matt. Yeah. But also because if he needs one, it's going to be there. That's true. Lucky him. I wish I had that luck. I wish I had... Everyone needs some Taviran. Or at least all people with ADHD need some Taviran on their side. Otherwise... I feel like a lot of ADHD people wouldn't be able to handle literally being the center of the universe for a, a brief period of time. Well, that's because of the anxiety that usually goes along with ADHD. Yeah. But like... If I could just have the luck aspect of it, of oh, the Tiberian, well, yeah. that'd be nice. Yeah. Of all of the powers you could get, Rand's, not Rand's luck, Matt's luck is pretty up there. Yeah. It's not conscious. He doesn't have to do anything. He is starting to figure out his limitations and stuff, whatnot. Like It's better with pure chance. Yeah, like the dice, which is why yeah. everyone in the Red Hand has started to play cards with him. Yes. Because it's a little bit less uh it's likely for him just to always win right but even then they're still like hey you still win at cards way too much we should horse we should bet on horses instead and matt son of a horse trader is like yeah okay <laughs> yeah like i'm sure that even if he had no idea what a horse is like, he has never even seen one if he bet on horses he'd automatically win eh. but he he does also have some sort of skill to go with it. Yeah, and that's that's why they want to bet on horses, because they're like, it's just a skill in picking the horse. Not, or there's less luck involved, but because you get to pick the horse. But it's Matt, it so is there's Matt. luck. There is some luck. 
But yeah, let's talk about that section because a lot of fun things happen in, in Matt's section. Yes, we kind of covered everything that's not the farm. Yes, and the farm is its own topic. Yeah. That we're going to keep dealing with throughout this book and the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, but Matt first. They're in May. No, they're, they're not in May. And they're in Mayrone. Just Robert Jordan really likes a, a couple letters. M is one of them. There are a lot of M names. Yep. And there are a whole lot of S names. And a whole lot of things that start with C, too. S- yeah, but fewer than S and M. And also T, which makes sense because those are... Just common letters for things to start with in the real world. Yeah. But they're, the whole band of the Red Hand is in Mayron. Yep. And they're just chilling. They've been chilling for a little while. And they have kind of instructions to hurry slowly. I don't know what that means, but sure. They're supposed to give the appearance of haste without actually being hasty. At the end, they get orders to leave very quickly. Matt, like, makes them start marching before first light and it's to do something with alien yeah they're trying to they're keeping samuel's attention right between the armies on the border with rand and the band they're doing they're executing some sort of strategy against alien and it's one that matt came up with with bashir yes who is curious as to where matt studied Bashir's like, hmm, he's pretty good. Where did he get all this information from? Right, and Bashir's a great captain. Yeah. But before they leave, they're just hanging out, having a good time, sort of like policing. Yeah. Kind um, of just being like a general presence. and Yeah. And Matt is flirting it up real big with a barmaid. Yep. And then they spend... Betsy. Betsy. Which is a very ordinary name for the yeah. Wheel of Time. It's not even spelled... It's just B-E-T-S-Y, Betsy. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, they're clearly, you know, Matt's Matt's doing his thing. The band is there. The, like, innkeeper is, like, letting Betsy flirt with Matt. Yeah. She's, like, arranging, like, shifts and whatnot so that Betsy is around and available for Matt to, like, dance with. Yeah. And Matt's ready to take it all the way. And like, she's full on. playing coy. Yeah. It's just, it's weird because she feels kind of like bipolar, not bipolar, mixed signals Yeah, here where it's like sometimes she's like real into it. And then other times she's like, no, this is too much. She's hot and cold. Yeah. It's just, just a weird aspect to throw into a character who we're never going to see again. Yeah. Why is she, why does she have a name? It's Robert Jordan. That's why she has a name. I mean, yeah. Giving her a name just so that you're not having to describe her with some sort of descriptor that's true every time she speaks or like does anything that would make this book about 50 pages longer i mean even if it was just the barmaid the barmaid like okay like give her a name if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about someone for more than a paragraph you gotta give them a name that's fair because like there's nothing I, i i really don't like it when it's like the taller one or the blonde one it's like okay if you know their name i'm not sitting here thinking like ah yes we feel like if I'm watching like you talk to someone who's shorter than you and I have my internal monologue going, I'm not like, and the taller one said, no, it's just Will. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, they're, they're flirting. Eventually, Matt goes to do rounds and he comes across a boy getting harassed by Hunters of the Horn. Yeah, they're like threatening to beat this kid. They might have already started to and the kid's like running away. And Matt's like, what the fuck's going on here? Right. And he stops them and they're like, who the hell are you? 
now realizing that one, he's in charge of the band of the Red Hand, and yeah. two, Matrim fucking Cawthon. Yeah. Who, to be fair, doesn't hold any titles. He's, he's kind just of a, a lord general. in the way that Perrin is a lord. Now. He's a he's less than that. He doesn't. Nobody calls him lord except for the band, and they only call him that because they don't know what to call a general who isn't a noble. Yeah. He holds no lands. Nobody considers him to hold land. He's just rich and in charge of an army. And he's rich because he gambles. Right. It's so, not like he even collects taxes or anything. He's literally just gambling. Yeah, these two, like, hunters for the horn are being, they're like nobles. They're the, like, typical hunters that we've seen. Yeah. Where they're just assholes. Um, they're abusing this boy and for sitting on their horses. Yeah. The, 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 the kid, like, he's touched their horses. That's basically, yeah. and Matt's like, that's not a reason to beat a child. Right. Get out of here. Yeah. And then he gives, like, all these instructions to some of the people, with, like, some of his band. They're like, you know, take him to the inn, give him a bath, get him some food, because he smells. And the kid's just like, don't talk about me like I'm not here. Yeah. And Matt's like, sorry, my dude. <laughs> sorry, you smell. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sorry, yeah, I did hate that when I was a kid. And then he, like, gets down. And looks him straight in the face. It was like, you need a bath because you smell. <laughs> we appreciate Bat Cawthon. It's a great move. It is a great move. Because, like, you don't... The kid's, like, eight, maybe? Yeah, he's clearly some sort of orphan. Yeah, because this kid gets a really sad backstory. I'm assuming he pops his, up more. His backstory gets real sad real fast. Because Matt's just like, all right, you smell. Where are your parents? And he's like, they're dead. His father was killed by the Shido, and then his mother died of disease while they were running away from the Shido. And they were on their way to go where horses are. Yeah, they were going to go to a farm. They were going to go to a farm where there's horses, and that's why when he saw the horse, he just wanted to sit on a horse. Because that's what his mom... His mom told him he'd be able to ride a horse. And... He doesn't even really say that his mom's dead. He's just like, I buried her with some flowers. <laughs> just like, Ooh, boy, oh, this poor kid. Oliver. Oliver. Ugly. Ugly. Yeah. That's the other thing. Matt comments internally. This kid is the ugliest person I've ever met. <laughs> but he treats the kid with the respect the kid asked for. He's like, talk to me like I'm here. Don't talk to them. Talk to me. And he's like. Okay, yeah, I did hate that as a kid. And he, he gets does down it. on his level to be his equal. And he's yep. like, you smell, we're getting you a bath. And he does it very well because he's like, go to the inn and tell them I told them you could take a bath and nobody can stop you. <laughs> and it works because Oliver's like, mm, I don't want to take a bath, but I also am interested in people not being able to stop me taking a bath. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a very, like, well done. He's, yeah. Matt... Good job, Matt. plus babysitter. Yep. Matt does have, like, fun uncle vibes. He's, yeah. That's that's his whole character now, is He's fun uncle with bi energy. And ADHD. Yeah. yeah that's, that's his character. Yep. He has big, to use a Harry Potter reference, he's got big, serious black <laughs> vibes. <laughs> a little bit. Which is weird, because you'd think that would be Perrin. Who is associated with wolves. And uh, Sirius Black, Dog Black, the Black Dog. Yes. <laughs> You'd think it would be him. 
No. But it's not. Although Perrin has more, like, he's associated with wolves, which would actually make more sense for him to give off Remus Lupin vibes. Yes, which he, I mean, he does and he doesn't. I would say Rand gives that off more. He's got the tortured soul of Remus. Yeah. And Rand, he also has the, like, nobody should be near me because I'm doomed and I'm going to doom the people around me. Yeah. Tortured soul. Yeah. Perrin has that a little bit. Not as much. He's just kind of, kind of like loner. Like, I don't want to be around people because I am wolf. Right. Which, like, fair. I don't want to be around people either. <laughs> because you are wolf. Inside <laughs> you, there are two wolves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm just an introvert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Matt's got, like, bye uncle vibes. Big time. And he, like, he does tell, like, one of his lords, like, get him set up at the inn. And tell the innkeeper that Oliver can stay there and, like, find him a place to stay. Yeah. Like, get him set up. And then they leave, like, that night. I don't think we've seen the last of Oliver. That's fair. He got a lot of backstory. (laughs) He got a devastatingly bad backstory, and then they left. And, I mean, there was the guy who carried Rand's banner who also got a pretty devastating backstory of, like, my wife and my entire family is dead. Uh, Let me carry your banner. And at least they killed him later. Like, he died later. Did he die? I think he died. I think he was killed. Did he die for good? Or was he bail-fired back to life? I think he was bail-fired back to life. Either way, he was mentioned. Like, he came up again. Yes. He hasn't come up again in this book, but like... No. We're only five chapters in. Right. But like, the guy had some character resolution. He did. And so I think that there's going to be... Oliver has not. And I would not be surprised if Oliver shows back up and was like, I followed you. You're my dad now. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, dad. Like, which also, like... Well, it would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Because Oliver wants to... Oliver likes horses. Yeah. And Matt is the son of a horse trader. Right. And I could see Matt and Oliver getting this, like, reluctant uncle-child sort of relationship (laughs) sort of going on. Kind of like Geralt with... Okay, like the with Siri, yeah, with Siri. Like, I'm, I guess I have to take care of you because you're a small child. And well, there was something. I mean, in, in the in Geralt's case, there's like supernatural stuff going yes. on. Yes, minus the supernatural stuff. But like, that's a trope in fantasy. That is like, a trope in fantasy. The the character unwittingly gets a child. I can't remember what yeah. other fantasy I've encountered recently where that happened. I mean, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Uh, Brienne and Arya. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or not Brienne and Arya. Brienne the Hound. The Hound and Arya. That's who it is, yeah. Yeah. The Hound and Arya. Yeah. That's one. It has very similar vibes to this, despite the Hound being nothing like Matt at all. But it does have similar reluctant vibes. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I can totally see Oliver coming back and just kind of pop it up and be like, hi, I'm here. Very, very fair. That's a, I think that's all the Matt stuff. They leave to do something. They leave for Alien to, like move quickly and surprise, but not surprise, Samuel. It's yeah. a little unclear. Like, their plans are not yet clear to us. No. So we'll we'll have to find out what exactly they're intending on doing. I actually don't remember what their plan was supposed to be. That's fair. A lot happens in uh, this series. Yeah. And this is definitely, like, the first couple books, very clear. Parts of this book, very clear. Parts of some other books, also very clear. Book 14, super clear. But even 12 and 13, which are like, one, that's where Brandon Sanderson takes over and there's a big shift. 
to like shit's getting resolved now. Even 12 and 13 are like a little unclear to me, although there are definitely like very clear parts. Not every book has that. Seven, eight, I, geez. I, 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 one thing I think happens in seven, it could happen in eight. It happens in, in either seven or eight. Definitely something that happens in nine. I don't know what the fuck happens in ten. I mean, I hope something happens in these books or else it's just... <laughs> yeah. Is he just typing every word he knows? Like, yeah. Ron Swanson style? Like, I mean, he types a lot of words. They're not short. Yeah, that's all the math stuff. They're going to Alien. Yep. Now let's talk about the farm, because this is probably one of the more plot-significant things that we've seen in a little while. I don't know. I'd say uh, Rand bail firing so hard that he brings several people back to life is... That's pretty plot-significant. But the farm represents a shift in the world. It's not just one of the Forsaken is dead. Men who can channel are gathering to learn how to channel as an organization. Sure. It's pretty pretty it's, significant. You just said this is the first thing of plot significance to happen in a while. and That's fair. I maybe should false. rephrase it too. It's one of the larger plot significant things to happen. Even like, like the climax of book four, right? With... Uh, Asmodian and Lanfear. Like, that's not as significant as this kind of worldwide. What you're, are, is what you're saying this has an effect on several books to come? Yes. Okay. Like, series arc-wise. Yes, series arc-wise, I think it is more important than either Robin getting bail-fired. That's a lie. Robin getting bail-fired is pretty damn important. He brought people back to life. Um, they just bail-fired him? Like, whatever. We've, oh, yeah, seen, whatever. we've seen Forsaken get bail-fired before. Yeah. He did get bailfired so hard he brought people back to life from, like, 30 minutes before. Right. So. But yeah, so the farm. Uh, Rand's, Rand announced his amnesty in the last at the end of the last book. And so he brings Taim to the farm. Yep. To see everyone, and also he's like, hey, do you know how to test people to see if they can channel? Yep, and Taim does know how to do that, and, and he, he kind of teach like, teach. He kind of uh, teases Rand a little bit first, though, like, you don't know how to do it. Yeah, and... Which starts the dick measuring contest. It does. And getting into a dick measuring contest with the Dragon Reborn is a real bad idea. It's a choice. I because mean, in uh, Taim's defense, he did uh, half believe he was the Dragon Reborn. Like 20 he did, ago. and Rand asked him to hold as much Sidene as he could. Yeah. But he's, like, showing off this weave, which, like, involves, like, creating a small fire in the air for the tester to take or the testee to take, to like look at real deeply until a resonance is felt. Yeah. Uh, and Taim is explaining it the whole time. And it's like, sometimes it takes a while. Rand feels it first on the person that he tests first, which like surprises him because he realizes that Taim didn't feel it. And the whole time Taim is like smugly saying like, okay, well, here's how you do it. And it takes a little while. And sometimes, you know, it takes longer in people who can learn, but the ability isn't inborn. And then at the end, after the dick measuring contest, Tyne is like, do you, you know, if you watch it a couple more times, you can figure it out. And Rand's just like, oh, I figured it out already. Yeah. And then travels away without teaching Tyne the, the weave for traveling. Yeah. He's like, because he travels them there. And Tyne's like, you can do that, but you don't know how to sense the power in other people. Right. And... Yeah, it's just, it was, it's a very weird interaction between the two of them. I, it's interesting now, but if it goes on for as long as, say, Nynaeve's block, I'm gonna get 
tired of it real quick. It will be more interesting than Nightmare's Block, at least. Because one, it involves two characters. Well, no, I'm just going to get annoyed with... The, I'm just If they're constantly in a battle That's fair. for power, like, find a different storyline. That's fair. Right now, it's interesting. But at some point, you got to stop comparing dicks and just get on with the plot. Yes. I think that has kind of been established because not only at the end when they're comparing strengths in Sidene was Rand always going to be more powerful. He's the dragon He's reborn. The dragon reborn. He was also pulling through an angry all. He cheated. I'm sorry. <laughs> like Rand's cheating. Rand definitely cheated. I get it. Rand needs to be at least, especially to these men, he needs to be this like unassailable strength. Like, he is courting, he he knows he's kind of courting disaster with it. Yeah. He's, he's betting that it's not going to get out of hand until after the last battle. Yeah, I just, like, it, 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 like he just keeps using this angry all, all the time. No one knows he has it. And so, like, he, he's cheating. He's definitely <laughs> at least cheating. When you're measure, it, when, at least when you're in a contest with someone. If you're, like, trying to kill Robin, like, go for it, whatever. Right. Or, like, just generally be the dragon reborn, fine. But, like, if you're gonna, like, try to prove to yourself that you're more powerful than a person, maybe you shouldn't take the one power version of Viagra before you do so. (laughs) Yeah. Although, again, like, it's time. It's somebody who declared themselves a false dragon. Like, I get it. You have to put him in his place. He probably could have done so without using the Angriol. Maybe, but who's to say that like Samael wasn't just out of range waiting for Rand to make a mistake to like overtax himself just a little bit and swoop in because Samael's not that far behind Rand in power. Yeah. And I mean, Rand does point out to Taim as he like, he's like once you're done testing everyone who can channel and then you can start teaching them to channel, watch out for anyone who uh, learns a little bit too quickly because it's probably a forsaken. Right. Now granted how many there are, as far as Rand knows, there are only, like, two male Forsaken left. It's just Demandrid and Samael. Yeah, because he doesn't know that two have been brought back to life. Right. And he at least knows Samael well enough to know that he's not. Samael's not going to sneak into the farm. But And from what we know of Demandrid, Demandrid is way too arrogant to do the same. But, I mean, one of the female Forsaken could glamour themselves. I don't know. Yeah, but like, they wouldn't be learning Sidene too fast. That's true. I mean, unless it's Oshengar or whatever. Yeah, it, it you know it could be Arangar, but even then, that would probably throw up some uh, some red flags. Be like, hey, what's this chick doing wielding Sidene? Hmm, something's she not right. Herself. True, but they'd be able to sense that because she know. would need to re up it. I don't know, but you know. Anyway, Taim needs to look out for one of the two known male Forsaken living to be trying to sneak in and disguise themselves. He also says a couple of other things. He is not going to teach Ra- uh, Taim how to use Balefire. And if and, he'd already figured out how to use Balefire, don't teach it to anyone else. Right, which is interesting because we're setting up a direct kind of conflict between what Rand wants and what the Dark One wants. Or in the prologue, the Dark One is like, use Balefire a lot, please. Yeah. And Rand is like, do not use Balefire, please. Even though he's probably going to use it. Oh, I think, 100%. Well, I think what Rand wants is, like, he wants a bunch of... He wants to build a male tower, basically. He just yeah. doesn't want... He wants to be the only one to use Balefire. Right. Because he at least conceptually understands the dangers of Balefire. He brought people back to life. Right. 
it you can't and I think he didn't really get it until then. Like yeah. he, he got it, but now he like intrinsically understands. Like, oh yeah, enough of this and things start going real sideways. Right. It take it, it it's probably one of those things that it takes you actually seeing it. Yeah. To really fully comprehend. Yeah. And he does, like he asks Taim at the end, like or he basically tells him, like, I intend to get enough men here to rival the numbers of the White Tower. Yeah. So he that also, they can't just swoop in and gentle all of us. And he also wants to cleanse the Yes, he power, says he wants so that, to cleanse the power. Who knows how he's going to do that? I don't think he's going to, but... It, it It is a bit of a pipe dream. But yeah, he wants to gather as many people to create this male version of the tower and then cleanse it so that after the last battle... Yeah. People can carry on. And there's definitely a, there's some Taviranness going on with this farm too. Because the first like three to five people Taim tests can all channel. And Taim's like, I don't know why I'm surprised. He's like, you know what? All of them can probably channel. Let's just keep going. Yeah. And. Because I think he realizes that like after the first two, he's like. I think he realized when he met Rand. That like, oh. Oh, this is this is why he's the dragon. It's not just he can channel. It's the world is centered around him. Yeah. Yeah. The farm is an interesting place, though, because there's like Women families. And children there, too. Yeah. And some people have already left. Like some people showed up at the farm and then left already. And yeah. Some people are like there and they're thinking about leaving. And Rand basically just tells, like, has this broad message of like, once you start to learn how to channel... You cannot leave. Right. You will start. The second you start grasping the power, it's <laughs> going to start driving you insane. Right. Whether it's because it was born inside of you or because you have the ability to learn how to do so. And he kind of is like, if you are the latter, if you weren't born with it and you can just have the ability to learn how, feel free to leave. Right. You can leave. You can get tested. You can get tested. You can find out and you can leave. But if you stay, you're mine. And he's like... If you were born with the ability, I highly recommend you stay anyway. Right, because you're going to kill the people around you. You're going to kill the people around you if you don't learn how to control it. Yeah. And he also wants the families to stay because he's really, really, really trying to set up the inverse of the White Tower. He wants it to be part of the world. He doesn't want it to be set apart. Yeah. Like the Aes Sedai, because he thinks, one, that the families will help the men stay sane, probably true uh and two he's kind of aware that like the white tower seems to have been kind of like selectively breeding the ability to channel out of the populace well because they keep killing all the men who can channel they keep killing all the men and, who can channel and, and they take all of the women who can channel and then they don't have children right so like he's kind of i mean they i mean most of the people who can most of the eyes that i take a warder so they've got someone there to kind of temper them yeah and so i think he's thinking Oh, the family can act as a warder and at least the tempering yeah. way of tempering their emotions and kind of being a companion. But also, like, yeah. maybe this way it won't breed out the ability to channel. Yeah. Because he goes into this whole thing about, like, the numbers of, like, how many people the tower can hold if they had in a completely full class of accepted. Right. And, and it's, it's like, like five 500. Times. Yeah, it's like five times the number of total Aes Sedai. Yeah. And that's just... If they have accepted there all the time. And then there was something else in there about, like, if all of the Aes Sedai are there, there's still enough room for all of them. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's definitely. I don't know how he knows that, other than possibly lose their memories or. Uh, that's something. Uh, that's something I could very easily see Moraine or Elaine having taught him. That would also make sense. Because actually, his lose their memories would not help him. The White Tower didn't exist. That's true. The White Tower was built after the breaking. That's true. They were just eyes to die. Yeah, and now uh, there's and, only like fifty yeah, total. There's not very many. You actually raised an interesting point, which is that the you think that the families might be kind of acting like warders. Do you think that a male equivalent of the warder bond might exist? I don't know. I feel like possibly. We don't know what Elaine did to bond Brigitte's warder. It's just a warder bond. But we don't know what. Like, she just described, I did a thing. Uh, yeah, because the minutia of like, oh, I channeled these weaves in this way would just that's not you don't need that it's a war she she saw a warder bond she did the warder bond i would think that there has to be some sort of equivalent for male that's fair it doesn't seem like there's very little there are very many things on the one power that are exclusive to one side the only thing that seems to be exclusive to one side is the taint yeah you you were trying not to say taint i was trying not to say taint tainted is fine Taint is not. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Verb, fine. Now, no. And um, even, so like there are definitely things that are not exactly the same, but like they're mirrored. So there's probably some sort of mirrored yeah. bond with That's fair. men. And the male half of the one source being tainted is, you know, part of the plot. It's yeah. it's what's driving the imbalance in the world. Yeah. It's on a fundamental, one of the two sides of The power that makes the world work is tainted. So of course the world is imbalanced. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's that's good world building right there. I am interested to see if we find out if there is a Sidene and equivalent. That's fair. The warder bond. Yeah, very. Especially now that we know that women can be made warders. Yes. Because up until then, I was kind of under the assumption that it It was always men. and it only would work on. Ah, that's fair. And that is, yeah, that's definitely an interesting thing to I think didn't, about. You don't know how, we don't know the mechanics of what the bond is or like. Yeah. It's not like we have a chemical equation that you can look at and go, yes, that is how, right. that is how sodium chloride bonds to each other. Yeah. Like. And this is actually one of the things that I think makes the Erengar bit odd because in other ways, like. Brigata being bonded as a warder, or even just Rand's existence as a man who can channel openly. Like, he's playing with these gender identity things. Yeah. In a way that, like, feels better than the Arangar stuff. At least in that, like, the Brigata being a warder. Right. That's not playing with gender identity, that's playing with gender stereotypes. Gender roles. Gender roles, yeah. But also with identity a little bit because Brigitte sees herself as a warder. Yeah, that to me is not a gender identity thing. That's a role. Right, but in the world of the Wheel of Time, before Brigitte it was very intrinsically tied to gender. Only men were warders. Only men were ever warders. But Brigitte still thinks she's is still identified as a girl. Which is why why for me it reads more as a gender role thing than an actual gender identity thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of both. It's just not explicitly the latter. And that's why it's it's playing with it, right? Like, it's it's 
pushing it around, seeing how it transforms with new information and new things happening. Like, I didn't really think anything in this book series was playing with gender identity until Aragorn. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's still... It's it's odd. It's been I, se- it's been several weeks, and it still doesn't sit right. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I hope if the show does it, they. I don't know how the show does it. I hope they don't do it, and then if yeah. I hope they, I hope if they do play with that in any sort of way, they at least get a trans person to. Yeah, I contribute to writing that story in some way. I just i I don't want them to do it. I don't want them to. Do I, it. I think I think I, there are. Very few options that are good, either from a you you just don't do it well and you perpetuate bad stereotypes, or you start introducing lore that breaks the continuity of the rest of it. Yeah, and also given just the general political climate of the world right now, it's just maybe it's a storyline you'd better leave alone. Yeah, I, I yeah I, I I would rather they just don't do it. I you could bring back. Osangar, and I think there's some interesting stuff there with Osangar. Like, it's not that there isn't interesting stuff with Arangar, but it doesn't, it's just not worth it. It doesn't need to be Sidene in the body of a There woman. is a... The way you said that, there is a better way. We have not been introduced to it yet, but there is a better way to do that. I don't know how you do it in the show, but I'm also not a writer. That is fair. So, yeah, there's there's a better way. Yeah. I think that's all the stuff in this section. It's a lot of Rand and Taim kind of getting the, like, pecking order in line. Yeah, it's basically, if I had to sum up this section, it's Rand doesn't like nobles. They figure out a pecking order with the men who can channel boring political stuff in a tent mm-hmm. and a coup. And Matt flirts with a woman and adopts a child. yeah that's what happens yeah that's fair that's a good way to sum it up (laughs) let's do some recurring segments bizzingen shit i don't think anything i don't think anything either yeah i don't think there's we haven't gotten anything new we've not gotten anything new and nothing in my list like my running list in my head of visions that min has already had or like the elfin or the finn had Nothing else new is like, ah, yes, I can finally cross that off my list if we figured out what that means. Right. So. Yeah. Nothing new. Ship update. Matt and Betsy. (laughs) (laughs) Matt. He's going to give up his life and be a simple innkeeper. I don't want that for him. I don't ship it. No. I wouldn't mind it for, like, Rand. Yeah. Like, Rand should get to retire. He's not going to get to retire. He's going to die. He's going to die. Rand doesn't get to retire. But, you know. I would be okay if Rand got to retire and yeah. live as, like, a simple shepherd in his little polycule. Yeah. Like, yeah, that'd be great. But no, that's not going to happen. No other... There's, like, a, a mention of Avienda. Yeah, Rand is trying to avoid her. Right. Uh, again, you know. That's it. She did get killed and then brought back to life, so yeah. he is kind he, He's not wrong in when he's thinking, like, I am surrounded by death and everyone around me is going to die. He is not wrong. Everyone around him did die. He just bail fired so hard he brought them back. Yeah. So yeah, not not really any ship updates either. No. What's your favorite moment? We have we have those no matter what. Um, I think either Rand attempting to tell a joke. That was pretty funny. Or there's this bit in Matt's section where he, he's like recapping a bit and talking about 
the stuff that happened to him. And he mentions his hat. And people are like, people think that this hat is like magic and it prevents him from dying or whatever. And he's just like, it's just an ordinary hat. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's not Matt and Oliver. It, that I also enjoy. <laughs> I, but just the, it's just an ordinary hat. <laughs> That's true. It's very Matt. It's very Matt. It's very Matt, and it's very Two Rivers. Yeah. He's just like, I just wear it because it keeps the sun off my head. And we don't often get a And lot. then I can use it to, like, I can pull it down over my face and avoid people. It was just a yeah. very Matt inner monologue, and it it was great to get back into this section. We don't get a ton of, like, Two Rivers Matt. He's very, like, newfangled gambler Matt all yeah. the time. Except sometimes he's like, I like horses, and I have a good hat. Yeah. And I like it when that gets to show itself. Yeah. That isn't my favorite moment. My favorite moment is Rand trying to tell the joke. Yeah. Because it's pretty funny. It's so funny. The joke isn't The funny. joke isn't. <laughs> Rand telling it is funny. He just gets so exasperated because they're like, you don't have a sense of humor. So he like whirls around and he launches into this joke. Yep. And you're just like, what? Yeah, it's everybody is astounded. At how bad the joke is. <laughs> they make fun of him some more, and it's yep. great. The maidens definitely have a big, like, oh, good good old little brother Yeah, they'll, like, vibe. pat you on the head. Yeah. Even though he's taller than them. Yep. But they do have very much, like, stoop down so I can pat you on the head, small child. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This was chapters one through five of Lord of Chaos. Next episode, we will be discussing chapters six through eight. Bye. Bye.